welcome back. You're listening to Those Trans Guys Podcast, a podcast focused on everyday education and experiences about trans men. Hello, and welcome back to a new episode of Those Trans Guys. I hope that April is treating you well. It's really nice and sunny here, so that's our spring. We also have lots of cherry blossoms blooming, so quite nice actually this time of year. And the weather is uh, holding up, not a lot of rain, so we're all happy. I'm joined again by my co-host Aiden. Say hi, Aiden. Hey guys, welcome back to our podcast. We hope you're enjoying the beautiful sunshine outside because it's slowly becoming spring and everyone's a lot more happier now. So yeah, welcome back. And we had the honor of being reached out by Ashley Braxton. And if, for you guys who don't know who she is, she is the host of the Happy Choice podcast. And it's a pretty interesting podcast. And we got to take part of it. And we're pretty stoked on it. Yeah, for sure. We really were quite amazed and surprised that someone reached out to us. Not saying that we're shocked, but it was a good honor, honestly, because it's our first offer and opportunity and it was it was exciting because we haven't had many opportunities yet to come up so when she reached out to us it really meant a lot to us and also a good way for us to share our story on her platform and we really hope there'll be more out there for sure but without further ado we wanted to let you listen to it and hope you enjoy it and then we'll see you guys really soon yeah thanks guys take care and we'll see you soon hey guys welcome back to the happy choice podcast Today, I have two special, awesome fucking people here. (laughs) And we met on an app called Audrey, actually. And I saw their podcast and I was like, oh my gosh, I need them on my podcast. And I'm really glad both of you are here today. So, hey, Peyton. Hey, Aiden. Hi. Hey, guys. How's it going? How are you guys today? I'm doing really well. Yeah, I just had my coffee, so I'm, I'm set for the day. Pretty good. I am really excited to do this podcast today with you, Ashley. I can't even express. <laughs> I'm so glad you guys are here. You guys have an awesome story to tell. Can you tell everyone what your podcast is about? Sure. I'll start and then Aiden can go if he wants to add something in. Um, we, well, we're both trans men and we've been friends for about five years. And we've been talking about it kind of in the background about wanting to do a podcast to share our stories. And it's been kind of back and forth a little bit, and we finally decided on doing this kind of podcast where we make an episode every week, talk about topics that we want to share with people, and hopefully help someone out there, because we really think that it's needed. And I was doing some research, and there's nothing out there like this. So I finally found the name, and it worked, and so then the rest kind of has been going from there. I'm very proud of you, too. Thank you, Ashley. I really appreciate that. It's actually funny, because we were just chilling one day. And we were like, hey, we should start a podcast. What about those trans guys? And we thought about it and it was like, okay, that name is really simple and it gets the message across. So why not? Let's do it. So then we decided to start a podcast because we wanted to really educate the trans people out there, especially the trans men, because knowing, you know, growing up, it was really hard. So finding that education on the internet is really helpful. And we really want to like, help people out there at the end of the day we want to help them get their story out there and we want to be able to get them through the hard times kind of like what we went through at one point so yeah that's kind of like our little background on the podcast and where we're coming from you guys are amazing and i'm so glad you're doing this 
because you are right. We are not educated about it at all. And we have a lot of judgments about this. And I think you two are really just, you're going to blow it out of the water and you're really going to give people an insight. And you both are so genuine and so nice. Thank you for being you. Seriously. No problem. I don't think I want to be anything else. So <laughs> Exactly. Only one version of yourself, right? <laughs> exactly. Can you tell people in your own definition what it means to be trans? Sure. I think my own personal perception of it or knowledge of it is that I was born in the wrong body. It took me quite a long time to come to terms with it because I grew up with a family who was making me believe that I was a woman, but I wasn't. And it was quite a challenge for years because I believed it because it's my family and I'm pushed into this body that's, you know, in this direction that isn't mine and didn't feel right. So for me, being trans is living authentically with who I am inside and the rest kind of followed with that with little steps from the hormones to surgery, et cetera, et cetera. So just being the man that I am inside and showing the world that. And it's been probably the most beautiful journey I've ever been on, in my opinion. That's amazing. Like, you couldn't have said it any better. I feel like we should have been best friends, you know, growing up, but sucks that we weren't. But yeah, I kind of went through the same experience that Peyton went through. Like, I grew up not knowing exactly why I was so uncomfortable with myself. And like, I would get anxious just going out in public, and I thought there was something wrong with me. And at the end of the day, I went to, you know, see a psychologist, and they were like, oh, have you ever heard of the word, like, being trans? And I was kind of like, no, what does that mean? And then that's kind of like when it opened a whole new door to me. And at one, like, in the beginning, I didn't want to, like, I didn't want to go with that term as being trans, because everyone saw that term as being a negative, something negative, basically. And I didn't want to be associated with that. So I tried really hard to just, you know, suppress that feeling for a really long time. And at one point, I just was really, really unhappy. And I was like, I don't feel like a girl. I feel like a guy. And I feel like I've always been a guy. And it was just like little things that I would do here and there in my day to day life that would make everything really like made sense over time. And even my friends would kind of like catch on and they would be like, wait, you were never a girl to us. You were always a man. So like, we love you for that regardless. So I feel like being trans is definitely just like eventually coming terms with who you are on the inside and fully accepting that and fully loving yourself for it. Because it's a long journey and it takes a long time to actually get there. I'm not going to lie. But at the end of the day, it it's like a beautiful journey and I couldn't be happier and I, I don't think I would be happier any other way so yeah that's my little my little story you both are so brave I have a question though when you say you feel like you were born in the wrong body do you both feel like you felt that very early on in life like at what age that you can remember did you kind of, I mean was it yeah if you could just explain that sorry sure I think that I knew probably early on in life, but like I said, the family kind of challenged me more than I would have liked. Not saying they weren't doing their best as a parent, but they didn't know what I was feeling inside. And I quite didn't know either because I was like five, six, seven, you know, growing up in this amazing family at the time. But then of course things hit the fan. But genuinely, I think I would have probably been about five or six where I started like wanting to wear my brother's clothes and like trying to be like him. 
but then being forced away from that to be into a body that into like another path that I wasn't wanting to go on. So I think it took me quite some time and and no offense to my family, but I think that had a lot to do with suppressing all these feelings and knowing completely for quite some time. Uh, And that's not to say that no one knows when they are trans, like just kind of has to do with your own personal knowledge of it, but everyone can come out at different times of life. That's what makes it amazing. But for me, I think if I had known earlier, I would have come out earlier, but played a big toll, I think, with that family struggle and knowing earlier, but then not knowing how to say anything about it or not knowing how to quite form the words. But there was little things that came up for sure that I'm looking back on being like, wow, I knew when I was a lot younger and yet I was quite miserable and had a really hard time. And I mean, I could have come out a long time ago, but this played a big role. Mm -hmm. I totally agree with what you said. I feel like growing up as feeling like I didn't belong in my own body, it's it's actually funny because I knew something didn't feel right when I was around four or five years old. Because I remember this like clear as day. It was my fifth birthday and my mom was bringing out a birthday cake and it was pink. I don't know why it was pink. It was just like the ugliest cake I've ever seen in my life. And she brought it and she was really happy. And she was like, oh, it's your birthday. What do you want to wish for? And I was sitting there like, you know, as a kid. And I was like, I don't know what I want, but I feel really, really uncomfortable right now. I want to be born a boy. So literally, that was what I wished for. And I told my mom that. And she was like, don't ever wish that again in front of me, because that's not acceptable. And I was like, holy crap, that okay, that's not normal, clearly what I'm wishing for. So I'm just gonna pretend that it never happened. So I just pushed it down and never said the words that I wish I was a boy, like ever again in my family. And to this day, it like, I guess like, obviously now it, I, I can say that. But it it's like, really weird thinking back because they were never really accepting of it at any point. And yeah, I guess like I always knew even when I was really young, which is weird, because there's a lot of people who who are like, oh, I didn't know until like I was a lot older. But I think it's really different for everyone. Like everyone has their own story. Like I said before, you can't even know when you're like three years old, maybe. I don't know. Like there's just a feeling inside. Like you don't know what the word trans means exactly, but you just know there is something wrong with you. Like it doesn't feel right. And you just want to figure out like why nothing feels right. But everyone is so happy with their bodies. But I'm not like, why? Why is that? And growing up, you know, as a child, I don't think anyone should really go through that, you know, because that can really do a lot to you as a kid, especially when you hit high school. That's when like people start bullying you and stuff like that. It's like a whole different story. I know we're going to get into that later. But it's, it's like, it's crazy how growing up where you're born, all of that influences how you are now as an adult. So yeah, I think that's pretty much like my little rant. I knew since I was like four or five, but it's different for everyone and yeah it's crazy how like how far i've come definitely so yeah wow guys absolutely incredible can you both sort of describe who you are where you come from what was your family like and all that separately so i'm going to start with peyton can you answer that sure so i came from a very small town of like ten thousand people uh very accepting open community not gonna lie like i love it to call it home grew up in a family that went to church quite vigorously. And I grew up in that kind of Catholic Christian household. But over the years, of course, that changed. Not everyone goes to church. I'm not saying I don't believe in it still, but 
I don't practice it regularly. And I'm not saying I am against it, but I just, you know, I just don't. Uh, my family was great. Not going to lie. It was a good family to grow up in, very supportive, there for you when you needed them kind of stuff. You know, I give a lot of credit to my mom for being the mom that she is. She put up with a lot of shit over the years. But then, of course, they separated probably when I graduated high school. And it was it was a toxic marriage and sort of a messy divorce. So it took a very long time for all of us to adjust to the basic changes of Christmases and birthdays and family trips and like who does this and who does that and who goes for dinner and all that stuff. So it was a bit of an adjustment over the years. And of course, dad started dating and mom didn't. So, but you know, I'm not going to lie. My family was, was great. I just think in my own personal opinion that being that kind of close knit family prevented me from being my true self. And it led to a lot of ups and downs for me in high school. And I don't think many of them quite knew how to handle it a lot of the time. And, and I didn't even know either. So, um, but a lot of the time I felt like my brother was the priority and it's kind of been a struggle over the years and it still is a struggle because I'm kind of the odd duck in the family and the one who's had more struggles and challenges and more ups and downs and bullying and all that stuff. So it's, it's a struggle I'm facing with today and it's always been a struggle and it's a comparison that I don't think will ever change because that's just the reality of it. And I, I don't know how else to go about it, but I do the best I can. But I, I definitely am closer to my mom, getting so, so closer with my brother over the years. But of course, he has his own life and family and stuff. But my mom's side of the family is very open to me and accepting and very non non-judgmental. And like her parents come from a German background and they're kind of old school and stuff. And they've accepted me with open arms. My dad's side is different. So it's a weird balance of family. But it, I'm not going to say I'm unhappy with the family I have because that's not what I'm saying at all. But there's been some challenges and struggles. And, you know, my life, I wouldn't say they could have done much differently. I think mom is aware of the struggles and how much I was kind of silenced. And I think we've talked about this a bit in depth over the years is she's seen how happy I am and she can understand it more and the little warning signs of me speaking up. So that's kind of a little basic of it. I'd like to talk more about it in depth over time, but it kind of gives you a little summary of my family. That was so honest and so pure and so true. <laughs> that was amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Aiden, can you tell us? Yeah, for sure. Uh, thank you for sharing that, Peyton. Um, so for my story, it's definitely a little bit different from Peyton's. My family growing up, I was in a little suburban area in Western Canada, Burnaby, if you guys have ever heard of it before. Um, don't come stalk me because I don't live there anymore. But that's where I lived for a little while. It was haunted. So that's why I moved to Vancouver. And now um, now we're living in, um, in a little house. But basically, like growing up, I was told to suppress a lot of my feelings, like I said before. And I grew up in a pretty, how do I say it? Okay, like whenever we're having a conversation, it's the kind of family that we don't have conversations. We just yell at each other. And at the end of the day, that is very, very stressful. And growing up in that kind of family, it kind of does something to you as a kid because you grow up thinking it's okay to scream at people. Um, not that I do that now, but that was kind of like something that I grew up having like realizing that I did and you know being in that kind of environment it made me not want to speak up about my, about my feelings at all because every time that I did I would just get yelled at for it even if 
they didn't mean for it to be in like a, a negative way. They just mean it in a quote unquote loving way. They still did it because they thought it was what was best for me. And, you know, I'm Asian myself. Uh, my family came from Hong Kong and they immigrated here, I think, 45 years ago because they wanted, I guess, to find a better life for the family. And, you know, growing up like that, they kind of use that as like um, a way to get you to do what what to do. Like, oh, we came here just for you and you can't do this for us kind of thing. And they would use that a lot of the time as like... Um, like a defensive mechanism because I didn't want to do something. And it was really shitty because I genuinely felt like like I needed to do that because it was my family. And okay, they provide me with food. They provide me with shelter. So clearly I have to, you know, be a doctor for them. I have to not be trans. I have to, you know, wear dresses and put on makeup and wear high heels and go to these fancy dinners with, you know, family friends. And I have to pretend to be the girl that I never was. So it was just like this pressure that was constantly put on me up until I was maybe 17 or 18 years old. That was when my senior year in high school when I really realized that the kind of family that I was in wasn't the kind of family that I wanted to really be a part of for the rest of my life, I guess you could say. And, you know, like, I still love them. It's not like I, you know, I hate my family and all that kind of stuff, because I don't think I could ever hate them, even no matter like how much shit that they trauma that they inflict on me regardless of what that may be like I still love them regardless but it's just I have to distance myself from that growing like you know as I grow up because it can't be healthy for you in any sort of relationship growing up in that kind of environment so it's just something that I've realized over time as I've gotten older and older my family isn't that supportive unfortunately and they are buddhist as well so they're kind of religious so it's kind of like the worst of both worlds so yeah that's kind of like my little gist of it i could totally go into a lot more about how like my dad is super abusive verbally in in some senses physically and my mom just kind of like takes it unfortunately. So that was the kind of environment I was around growing up. And like, they would make it seem so normal, even though it's not normal at all. And it's just like really shitty to have to go through that as a kid, because I was like seven or eight years old. And my dad would be like hitting my mom for something that she had, like she accidentally did. And I would be like, what the heck is going on? Like, is this normal? But clearly it's not. And then like growing up as trans, I would like, I would come out to them at the time and my mom would be so supportive of it and I would be so scared of telling my dad because supportive as in like in the moment but moving forward she wasn't as supportive as she was at the moment in the moment but basically my dad was kind of like the masculine person in the family and no matter what everything had to go through him so when I came out as trans it was kind of like oh shit he's gonna kill me I'm gonna like he's literally gonna disown me from my from the family but thinking on like from that point in time, I realized that regardless, even if he did kick me out or disown me, I would still have people that supported me, you know, um, at the end of the day, because I found those kind of people in my life. So my family isn't supportive, but my mom has definitely came a longer way than the rest of my family has. So it's kind of like Peyton's story in a sense, how his mom is really supportive. 
but I guess like my family still has a a long way to come because they're not as educated as they need to be in regards to like being trans and stuff like that. But definitely they have come a longer way than they were maybe like four or five years ago. So yeah. Aiden, you're so strong. Thank you. Because I've also come from a very abusive family and coming from dealing with that every day, that's not an easy thing to do. So dealing with all of that and then like dealing with your own struggles, you're very brave. Both of you are very brave. Thank you. Do you guys mind me asking you what was your names before? Um. <laughs> and you don't have to answer. And if it's a trigger question, like don't answer. I just wanted to. Maybe not because it's okay. a trigger. No problem. Not for me either. Sorry about that. I mean, I've, I've told one person and that's it. <laughs> the rest of the mm-hmm, time, right. moved right. it. I mean, earlier on, maybe I would have. No problem. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of like my, my past self and I don't really, I'm not saying I didn't like the name or whatever, but I, I guess I didn't like that person yeah. and that resonated with it. Right. Mm-hmm. I guess like in a way when people ask that, it's kind of like, I guess it really depends on the kind of person you're asking. But for me, I tried really hard to, you know, push that version of myself far away so that's kind of like why I don't really associate myself with that name anymore it just feels like a completely different person now so that's why I feel like it would be kind of weird just bringing like for me to say that because it would kind of like bringing the past version of myself back even though like we're talking about it right now it just feels like strange for me to say that name if that makes sense but yeah that makes total sense and I love that you both know exactly why you don't want to bring it up that's like do you know what I mean that mm-hmm. is so beautiful that you know like no I don't want to do that or no that's a trigger word for me no thanks so I'm very proud that both of you like know your limits and have your boundaries beautiful thank you so much yeah thank you for it, it was like immediately like a feeling of like you know so I thought <laughs> That. I can't do that. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, okay. no, I think coming from a place of respect, that's understandable. But some people ask without quite getting that it can be a real big trigger thing. Yeah, and they ask right. smoothly, and it's like, no, that's not how you do it. Like, no, you yeah, ask, you have to. Right. Yeah. Like, okay, let me give you an example. So this one time, okay, I was working at a retail company. And I'm not going to say which, <laughs> which retail company, but I had a really close coworker and like, they didn't know that I was trans and two years into working with them, they found out that I was trans and they were like, Oh, Hey, can I, um, can I know your birth name? Like they asked it in a really respectable manner. And I was like, Oh, um, I don't feel comfortable with telling you that, but I can tell you anything else if you have any questions regarding being trans and instantly they got so defensive. They're like, oh, you're not going to tell me your birth name? Like, what the hell? I thought we were best friends. And then they just, like, walked away. So it was, like, those situations, those kind of people, like, you, they're, like, they're the worst kind of people. Like, what you did, Ashley, it was completely acceptable because you asked it in a place of, like, education. You wanted to know more. And you weren't, like, being defensive, like, oh, you're not going to tell me I'm going off this podcast kind of thing. Like, people actually do stuff like that, unfortunately, when it comes to educating themselves on being trans. And they think it's our, like, our duty to, like, tell them everything when, you know, mm-hmm. Google is a place, is a resource as well. So it's just, like, those kind of people who are really obnoxious and don't even bother, you know, listening to the reason why you don't want to give them your birth name. They just completely ignore that and think of a reason of them for themselves 
whether it may be, oh, they just don't want to educate me because maybe I'm cisgender. And, you know, they think of all of these reasons that don't correlate at all. And it's just, you know, those kind of people really annoy me. And I'm pretty sure they annoy Peyton as well, because we've run into a fair share of them in our lifetime. And yeah, it's just like the way you approach it. And the kind of person that you're asking, it really depends on their journey and how comfortable they are with telling you that. And you can't, you know, disregard their experience just because it's how you feel. That's just making you a shitty person. And we don't really need any more shitty people in the world. So that's my little rant right there, because it's something that Peyton and I seem to have been through quite a bit in our journey. So yeah. No, guys, thanks for sharing that. And also, I cannot imagine what you two have gone through or what it's like to sort of live in a place where being you is unaccepted and and people are just unaccept like they're just not capable of being like okay this is just another human being Mm -hmm. i guess i would like to know when you felt that the hardest and then at what point in your life did you learn to let that go i know that's a tough question yeah so take your time please if you're comfortable with sharing oh for sure um i think for me it was back when I asked my mom if I could wear a suit to grad and she said no. And then I was miserable. And after that, I made drastic changes to fix it because I was put into bathing suits and all these awkward, uncomfortable clothing. And finally I spoke up for myself and I was silenced. So I think right there, I was like, this is enough. I'm not heard. No one's listening to me. I need to do this on my own. So I took the steps of going to the doctor, doing all the blood work, yada, yada, yada you know, cutting my hair, changing little basic things about myself, how I presented, like changing my name, kind of first in person with people and then legally. It just, it didn't feel right. And the fact that I was silent made it worse because I felt like my voice was like nothing compared to like the rest of the world and they were being heard and what they wanted. And like, no one quite understands what we go through. It has a lot to do with the birth name too. Like no one quite gets what it's like. And I think that's why they ask thinking it's just another basic question but it's not like it's like your whole identity and who you truly are inside and I knew something was wrong with me so when I asked to wear a basic suit to grad and I was silenced then I had the most fire beneath my ass I just went out and did it and started my transition because I was tired of it like from high school to then families and just everything else in between to like relationships I wasn't quite comfortable with and all this stuff it all just tied into one so it gave me the extra drive. And after that, I didn't look back. Like to starting my transition for the very first shot, I had one of my good friends with me to help me because my family wasn't there. And after that, I said, even if they're not behind me, I'm still going to do this because look, I'm living my true, authentic self. So I'm just going to go with it. Even if they're mad or hate me or whatever they want to do, like I'm going with this. It was sad and scary, but I think that drive from asking about the suit led to a lot of directions for me. And it opened the doors to so many opportunities. So I think that kind of answers. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. It is. It truly is. What about you, Aiden? For myself, I would have to say the hardest part would definitely have to be living 22 years of my life having a chest. And that gave me a lot of dysphoria throughout a long time and I didn't realize like why it was giving me dysphoria because all of these 
you know, girls at the time, I don't know why I'm doing quotes, but girls would be so happy with their chests and they would be walking around like in high school and they would be like, oh, look at like my cleavage and all of that stuff. Not, okay, no, they're in high school. That's kind of gross. But that's kind of like what they were doing. They were just walking around doing that. And I felt like, okay, I had to do that too. Like, okay, maybe I will try this on because my mom would be like, oh, look, this is a nice top. Try it on, even though it was a freaking crop top and it looked disgusting. But I would have to do that because she would force me into it. And it was just like those moments where it didn't correlate because I would have these like balls of fat under my chest and I just wanted to cut them off. So basically, that was what I did. I went about doing that and my family at the time was so like not on board with it they would be like oh no matter what you do do not go through a surgery because you're gonna regret it you're not gonna be happy you're gonna you know end up dying somehow from complications I don't know they would make something up to deteriorate my decision of wanting to get top surgery and I was so 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 miserable that I lived 22 years of my life saying that I was I wasn't going to do it even when when I came to terms with being trans I told myself that surgery wasn't going to be on the list no matter what no matter how far my transition I was in whether it may be like I was 40 years old 50 years old I'm just going to you know be miserable because it was what my family wanted and I so badly didn't want to be the black sheep quote unquote of the family so I just wanted to you know really do everything they said live by their guidelines, live by their rules, you know, just do, you know, be Asian, basically. That's basically what they wanted me to do. So then I reached a point where I was maybe, I was 20, 23, and I was really, really miserable. And I realized that I couldn't go on any longer. And if I did, I don't think I would have lived to be like, you know, 30 years old. Or something like that. And it was just it was just really depressing because I wanted to be happy so badly, but I just didn't know how to go about it. And then I just like kind of went to I guess groups like LGBT groups during the time to really find support, like my counselor, that really helped as well. And at the end of the day, I finally made the decision to go through a transition. And I've had really supportive people like Peyton was there for me and some other people were there for me, which I won't name because they're no longer part of my life now. But it was just like a good experience overall, even though my family wasn't there. Unfortunately, they weren't there, but I really wanted them to be. But it needed to happen. Like if I continue going down that road, I wouldn't have lived to see the day to like that I would be happy. And I just really wanted to be happy. And I feel like people like depressed people they don't want to die they just want to find a way out they want to be happy and at the end of the day that's really wanted to do and I think I did it I hope I did it so like I got the surgery I recovered and ever since then I feel like I don't have 200 pounds on my shoulder I can actually stand tall and I can actually you know go to places and you know be confident in myself and that was never a thing that I was able to do. I would, like in high school, I was walking around slumped over and I would all constantly pull on my shirt because I thought everyone was staring at my chest. And it was just like those little moments that made me realize that I couldn't, like even though those moments didn't seem to be that big whatsoever, it really added up over time. And at the end of the day, I was just really happy to have made it through it to the other side. So 
yeah, that, that's my little story of how I came to be. <laughs> Yay! Go Aiden! Go Aiden! Thanks, Aiden. How did you guys become friends? Oh, that's uh, an interesting yeah. story right there. How about you um, tell them, Aiden? <laughs> so, my ex actually is went to school with Aiden and uh-huh. uh, kind of introduced us that way. Like, we met a little bit on Instagram and chatted a little bit and then kind of talked about our transition and all that stuff. And I'm a little bit ahead of Aiden. And, transition wise but then we met for coffee and we hit it off and we've been friends ever since even though the ex is no longer in my life so that's a little mm-hmm. a little story because it's good times yeah and you guys have been friends now for five years mm-hmm. yeah aiden what's one thing that peyton has done for you that he may or not, that he may not know that you like you feel his friendship like extremely deep. I would definitely say him coming to my surgery with me. That was definitely one thing, like no matter what, I can't thank him enough for it. And like, I could literally do everything to, you know, show my gratefulness to him, but it would just be way too much. And like without him, I wouldn't, like there is no way I would have gotten the surgery without him. I'm not going to lie. So it, he definitely like really stood by me throughout all of those times. And yeah, I couldn't have asked for a better friend to, you know, go with the surgery with. So yeah, I'm pretty happy about that. Payne, what about you? There's a lot because, you know, over the years, we've really been there for each other through a lot of stuff, like from relationships to families, to surgeries, to career things, whatever. But I think all in all, you know, having that friend there who, doesn't give up on you when you're going through a toxic relationship or going through a lot of ups and downs with your family or whatever kind of life throws at you. I don't think I can pick a certain situation because we've been through so much together. But I think the biggest one was my toxic ex who a lot of people were tired of hearing about it and he can nod and agree because he knows, but there wasn't many people who stood beside me through it because a lot of people were tired of hearing about it, but it was such a manipulative, toxic, narcissistic kind of relationship where Looking at it now, I'm like, wow, I was in that for so long and I should have left and listened to these people. But to have true friends that just stand by you regardless and don't give up on you and believe in you and know that you deserve better and don't just leave and get tired of repeating themselves, like those are friends that I want in my life. But also to know that he's there if I need even a good day or bad day to hang out with him. Like just everything I think is I'm thankful for. But I think those are some really important points that come to mind right away that not many people have been there through all of it with me. Like some say they are, but they're not. But with Aiden, it's like a whole different story. So, Thanks, Aww. man. I appreciate that. You guys. <laughs> we try. Smooth. <laughs> what do you guys feel? Because I was bullied in high school. Why is like, for me, bullying is so nasty. Mm-hmm. It's really toxic. And I want your guys' point of view on like, A, what was it like for you in school? And B, why do you feel like there's just no no one around to catch it or see it or help? I mean, it's something that I feel like teachers really should be more hyper aware of, but they're not. What do you, I, I want to know your guys' feelings. Yeah. I mean, we actually talked about this the other day about who our bullies were and how we felt about it and stuff. So there was one girl who bullied me through I'd say like six years of high school and was very, very consistent with it and just didn't give up. And even later in the high school 
like time before we graduated, some of the people that were my friends too didn't quite stop it. They saw it, but they were just were like, eh, and they let it happen. Even being humiliated in a band class full of like 13 other people, no one said anything about it. She got, I think, removed for one day. That didn't stop her. She kept doing it again and again and again. She bullied me on one of our online class group chat things that we did to post our school assignments. She got removed one day and then came back to school again. It's like, I don't get it. What struggle? Like, are you jealous of me? Like, did I do something? No, I did nothing to you. What is it about me that makes you so bitter towards me and causing me such stress? And like, I didn't want to go to school. I was depressed. Like, I hated how things were going. And then adding in like family stress, it, like, I don't get it how people can bully people. Like, there must have been some trauma or something going on in her life. But like, even later on, too, when I was kind of sort of in my transition, I had a few ups and downs with people like making remarks or whatever. But nothing was as serious as the high school stuff where I was already dealing with so much on my plate, then add that in and then having to go to school and face her every day, like, it was horrible. And like, my mom sees her sometimes at the grocery store, and she doesn't even know what to say or do because she's known what kind of stuff she's put me through. And yet she has like her life together. She has a kid and a husband and stuff. And it's like, are you ever going to like look at yourself and, and realize that? Like it just, it baffles me. And like, we talked about this the other day, we had lunch and we were talking about it and I just don't get it. Like how people are so cruel. And even if I did or didn't do anything to you, it doesn't matter. Like, why am I so singled out? You're wrecking my life, like making my life horrible and putting me through so much more than you can imagine. You just think you're saying a nasty remark to me, but it goes deeper than that. Mm -hmm. I'll never understand. No, I feel you, man. Like, it's really shitty because I think high school kids, especially, they are the worst because maybe it's the hormones or maybe they're going through puberty or whatever. But they get something off of picking on other people because maybe the other person seems weak to them or the other person resembles some sort of trait that they don't have and they so badly want to have like those are the two only reasons i can think of someone bullying people because happy people do not bully other people if you think about it because if you have your life together then why would you pick on someone who for example is trans or is gay or is lesbian or is bi or whatever that may be because that sexual orientation does not influence you whatsoever but yet you have to bring so much hate to that person because maybe you're not happy with yourself and like in high school those kids like don't realize that like they're how old like 15 16 17 like they they're just going through puberty so it's like those hormones they just need to inflict that on other people in order to be happy like for myself growing up i was bullied a lot there was this one kid i remember like well it was like a group of kids actually and they would constantly call me the f word because at the time i was i guess gay and it just really brought me down and i genuinely thought there was something wrong with me because i liked woman at the time i mean i still do but it's like those things that really like just made me really insecure throughout high school and i didn't even want to go to high school like i dreaded going to school so often that i 
skipped class pretty often, I would say, in the ninth grade, which was sophomore year for you Americans out there. That was probably the worst time in my life, I would say, because I genuinely wanted to kill myself at the time. And there would be a plan. Like I set out to have a plan to have like, I would take pills and then I would die. That was it. Because I didn't want to go to school to see another moment with those kids that would just like torment me and made me feel like shit about myself. And then throughout high school, I would have friends that I would go to, but even then they wouldn't be able to, I guess, quote unquote, protect me because everyone has their own life, right? And it just really sucked because I felt like it was like a bystander effect where people, if they saw something, then maybe someone else would step up and say something about it. But that wasn't the case. And that is never the case in high school because if something if someone says something and there's drama going on, people turn around and they just look at you and they watch and all they do is watch. And because they want some sort of drama, like high school is boring. You go to class, you have lunch, that's it. If someone is picking a fight with you or someone wants to like create drama, obviously you're going to stop everything you're doing and go watch. Like you're not going to step in and be like, hey, stop picking on that kid. That's not cool. Like people in high school don't do that, unfortunately. Maybe like nowadays people actually know the bystander effect is still pretty common people don't say anything when they see something unfortunately but we have to change that as a society unfortunately like we can't continue letting people pick on other kids and thinking someone else is going to step in because no one's going to step in no one's going to do anything they're going to keep letting it happen and people that's why suicide rates is going like are just going so high because kids are killing themselves because they're getting picked on and when they say something about it they get dismissed like, okay, you got bullied, go see a counselor, go deal with it, and we'll talk to that kid. And majority of the time, if you talk to that kid, they get picked on even more because you're telling on them, basically. And it doesn't go down a good route. So it's like, what are these kids supposed to do growing up? They get picked on. And if they speak about it, they get even more picked on. So it's like a never-ending cycle for these kids. And I feel like we just need to start talking about mental health and start talking about you know, how bullying is really unacceptable. And if a kid kills himself because of someone's being, someone bullying them, they should get charged for it because that is unacceptable. Like kids are fucking dying. I'm sorry if I'm swearing, but it's just, it just pisses me off how so many people aren't doing anything nowadays and it's all over the news, but yet it's, it's common. It's normal. It's like, you know, okay, another kid died. That's condolences. I'm so sorry about that. Okay. The next next day whatever and it keeps happening like how are you supposed to expect people to stop doing stuff like that if you're not going to inflict change into the school system or like when you see something like bullying say something about it you know like one bully can't do everything like if you're a group of people and you stand up for your friends like what are they going to do they're one person you're like four people are they going to fight you no like it's like those kind of situations where you just really have to, you know, stand up and realize that if you don't say something, it's going to keep continue going. It's going to continue going on. And you don't want that. You don't want to live in the world where you have kids and your kids have to go to school and deal with that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, we're out of the, like out of it now. We don't have to deal with it ever again. But our kids, we don't know that for sure. Like, knock on wood, they could get up, end up getting bullied and they could end up wanting to kill themselves. And we as parents have to, you know, watch out for that. And it's just, you know, those things that we could have stopped years ago, but we didn't. And now it's still an issue. So that I'm just ranting now. And it's just like, that leads me where I am today. And it's just, we have to stop bullying, guys. It's so easy, but yet it's so hard to do at the same time. 
So yeah, that's that's it. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I feel like high school is the worst because there's so many different categories and stereotypes that everyone's trying to fit into. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I'm on the track team. Yeah, but are you on the JV track team or the varsity track team? You know what I mean? Like, there's so many different categories that everyone's trying to fit into. And it's just, it was such a stressful, nasty place for me. And I wanted to ask you guys, because I'm not sure, I don't think my parents were fully aware of how bad my bullying was. And I wanted to ask the same for you. Did you guys hide it? Or were you were you going home and being like, I'm being bullied, this is bullshit, help me out? I definitely tried to speak up about it, but I don't think they quite understood the length of, you know, and the extremity of it, you know? Like, mm. for so long it happened, and then just over the years after that too, little things. Like, I don't think they quite understood that I was miserable and I did not want to go to school to face this person because they were in, like, 90% of my classes. They were in, like, all my favorite classes. And the comments got worse and worse, and then the attacking me on the online school thing that the teacher could clearly see it's like so i tried to speak up but then i just i just gave up trying to because i didn't quite understand what i was going through and the stress and the fear to go back to school you know and face them again so but i had no choice i wasn't allowed to skip i wasn't allowed to not go like yeah to see my grades yeah. reflect on it so i had no choice i definitely had to try and keep it down but i just it felt like that shouldn't happen when your kid's going through stuff like that they should try and be there for you but I felt kind of alone through all that. And then when people saw it and didn't say anything about it either, like it's happening, like yeah. you can see it, the teacher yeah. can see it, you know, you know how humiliating this is. So it was, I felt quite alone through all of that. Mm -hmm. Peyton, does your family understand now? Um, not as much as I would have liked them to. I think, I think mom a little bit more than dad, but I don't think like my brother and my dad quite know or the rest of my family really. But mom is like, you know, pretty up to speed with it, but I think there's still a lot that she could have learned with how much I went through. So like one more question, Peyton, sorry. What about any teachers at school? Like were any teachers coming up to you and being like, Hey, I, I'm noticing this. Are you okay? Was, did you have a support system at school or not really? The one teacher who saw it on her own like program for school, she kind of stepped in a little bit, but and same with the band teacher when it was called out in band class, but no one really checked in on me and it was quite disappointing because I really, I liked both those teachers and I really thought more, but not really. No, sadly. Bystander effect. Bye. Sorry. <laughs> um, no, exactly. What about you, Aiden? Uh, it's, so I would come home a lot of the time after high school and I would go into my bedroom and I would uh, start crying because <laughs> I was really emotional at the time. And when I got bullied, I would, I, I never really stood up for myself, unfortunately, and I considered myself back then kind of a pushover. And it kind of still lingers today, like me being a pushover. But it was especially so when I was, you know, in high school. So when I got bullied, I thought there was something wrong with me, especially. And there was nothing wrong with the bully itself. I thought, okay, I'm gay. So clearly, I'm the issue right here. So that's why they're picking on me. So throughout high school, I would think that was my issue. So like teachers around, like when people picked on me, it wouldn't be around teachers. So none of them would really see it happening. So unfortunately, no one really stood in to help. And even when it was like my friends, it's really shitty to say, but like when it happened around them, they would still kind of watch and not say anything. 
I'm not exactly sure why, but it's probably again the bystander effect. How you know they want to do something, but they don't want to because they think someone else is gonna do it. So it just doesn't happen. And throughout my high school, I never really found a way to cope with that. So I would just cry a lot of the time. I was really, really emotional, and I would just skip class like crazy because I didn't want to see any of those people. And adding on to it, me being comfortable with my body, so it was just like. You know that on top of the bullying, on top of me being super emotional, I was just like a complete wreck, pretty much twenty four hours a day. So it was not fun, and yeah, it never really got better until after high school. And people who say that high school are the best years of your life, I really hope it's not because that would really suck. Because it was not the best year of my life for me. It was probably. The worst years of my life, and after high school, that was when the bullying stopped because that was when I truly found out or like figured out who I was and who I wanted to be, and that was when I truly found out like how to gain confidence from that and how to you know speak up and how to talk or like speak up to bullies when it actually happens. And I have done that multiple times, and it actually feels pretty good. So it's like those moments. Where you actually inflict change in the bullying cycle, that's when you fully realize that you are capable of changing the situation. You just have to actually stand up and do it. Like it, maybe like count to three and then do it. Because I know it takes a lot of courage to actually stand up for someone because they can't stand up for themselves. And it's just you know those situations where you realize that you have so much opportunity to change. The way the other person comes out of the situation, and you want to be the positive change that you know helps that person. So yeah, bullying for me it never really stopped until after high school. So that's I guess all I really have to say, guys. Why do you feel like the world is so unaccepting of your real true feelings, and why do you think the world is so unaccepting of when I say your real true feelings, meaning your feelings? Just as humans, about how do you know what I mean? And also, why is the world so unaccepting of people feeling like they've been born inside the wrong body? Probably, like, kind of comes back to maybe the lack of education or resources or kind of understanding of it completely. So they're in this like closed mind of like it's men and women, that's it. But that's not how it works because there's so many spectrums and identities out there. And I've caught a few of it even on like Reddit. I was just browsing one day and people were saying like it's men and women, that's it. And they don't know the difference between gender and identity and sex and all this stuff. And it's like, don't even get me started because then that makes me agitated because I'm like, you don't know what you're talking about. So I think the understanding has, it comes from a place of maybe just being closed-minded to things and not being open to the fact that the world's changing and that, you know, people are who they are and that's just how it is. Like you can't, you can't change it. Like, so I, I don't really quite understand it myself because they're not trying. And so you can't really make them try. So you kind of just got to do the best you can do and like believe in yourself. And that's kind of like at the end of the day, that's all you have is yourself. So you shouldn't really hold back for anyone or try and change anyone or put a lot of effort or energy in because it's not going to go anywhere a lot of the time. So, and then even when I talk about my feelings, like I don't think people quite understand what I'm feeling a lot of the time, except for Aiden, I guess, or like my therapist, but a lot of other people don't quite get it. And I can't really put it into words because... I just feel like they're not receptive to it. Mm. So it's it's kind of disappointing. And I know at the end of the day, I'm just happy with who I am and what I feel and, and know. But it's just sad that the world is still kind of in this 
a stage of not really quite accepting people for who they were, you know, and still thinking that right. it's men and women and that's it. That's right. That works. Like I have friends from who are genderqueer, genderfluid, non-binary. Like I have a lot of mixed friends, gay, bi, whatever. So it's like you need to be more aware of it, not just someone who's like 30, but you need someone who's in their 40s, 50s, 20s, whatever. Like they should be open to it. Yeah. And also, Peyton, when I said like your, your true feelings – like you said, you've been you've been feeling this way since you were younger and you've been trying to express it. You know what I mean? Your your sole true feelings about who you are. And there was just so much resistance. It's mind-boggling. And I and I'm not saying that and I'm not saying talking about your parents at all or anyone's parents. It's just it's so weird with parents how some people I think forget that the child that you get born to has their own thoughts and their own feelings and they're their own person and you really truly have to accept them for who they are. I feel like parents have this thing where they're like, this child is mine. And it's like, no, it's not yours. They they won't think the way you think or do everything that you want them to do. Why is it so hard to, why is it so hard for parents to accept their children? I never felt accepted. I was always like, this is me. I don't know what else to tell you. I think like I've been learning over the last few years, even after the toxic relationship, and just in general, other situations, like I'm learning to use my voice finally. And it's very scary, but it has made a lot of difference in the last couple of situations that I've been faced with where I'm like, no, like this is how I feel. This is what I want. This was wrong. This was right, whatever. Like, So I'm really learning to just have the courage to stand up for myself because it's going to get me a long way than just being silenced and, and not get what I want or deserve. Like not even just in relationships, but with work, with people that like I face there or in society or... Even in my family, like not being silenced and to be able to speak up, like I'm working with my therapist on talking about my dad and all the stuff with that. So it's, I've made a lot of progress, but there's still a lot of stuff just due to like the 20 ish years of having him. It's my father. And there's been maybe 1% of the time it's been okay. The rest of it's been like complete. Yeah. Mm. So I'm learning to use my voice and to speak up for my feelings. But I think, like I said, my being silenced as a kid and how I truly felt was, it still sits with me because it's, it was like 20-ish years of my life where I was silenced, even asking to wear a simple suit to grad, you know? Like, when my brother got married, I was finally able to wear a suit, but there's other times I wanted to wear a suit, too. Why only just my brother's grad? Like, times that I wanted to wear a suit and be my true self and wear briefs and stuff, it's like, those are, that's my calling to say, listen to me, like, this isn't right. I'm not okay inside, and I need to speak up. Mm-hmm. So it's been a struggle, but it, it's coming. So, Aiden, I wanted to ask you... What has been the toll of being suppressed for so long, mentally, physically? Like, what has been because the, the your body keeps score. Mm-hmm. So, what do you feel like has been the biggest toll on you? Okay, this is gonna be a long story. I feel like another story time. Okay, so for me, growing up, my emotions have always been suppressed, like you said, and I never really loved myself because of those reasons, and I thought people suppressing my feelings meant there was something, you know, wrong with me. Like I couldn't speak up, like Peyton said, majority of the time, like something was wrong. I would be a pushover and I would pretend nothing was wrong. Like all of those reasons. So I would just push down, push that down really, really deeply. And the result being is I would try to find that kind of love in someone else. And I would, that's really, really, really bad to do. I wish I had known that when I started dating, but I would try to find that comfort that I never found in my family. 
in my partner. And that is a lot of responsibility for your partner to handle. Like, I feel like you should fix that before jumping into any kind of relationship. Because if you're not happy with yourself, then your partner has to find out, like, why are you so unhappy? Am I doing something wrong? Do I have to do something to make you happy? Like, so it's not a good place to put your partner either. And growing up, I like I would have these feelings. So it just really contributed to my relationships as I got older as an adult. And I talked to my therapist about it actually a long time ago. And she told me I do have like some issues because I would bring those into all of my relationships. And I would try so hard to make that person love me. And I would do everything I could to make that person love me. And once they did, I would retract myself because I felt like I wasn't worthy. It was like an endless cycle of toxicness in relationships for me. And it was just a really, really bad time, which is why like, I've been single for about almost two years now. And throughout that time, I have realized that I cannot let anyone dictate my happiness. And I cannot let anyone you know, influence that as well. And relationships don't make you happy. The people in relationships, yeah, they're for you. But at the end of the day, they're not the core reason as to why you are happy. You got to figure out exactly what makes you happy. Like, yeah, trans is maybe 10% of that. Like, you're trans. You come to terms with it. But that doesn't make you entirely who you are as a person. You're way more than that. You have your own feelings. You have your own thoughts. And all of those things growing up, it was like I couldn't express that. So I went into toxic relationships hoping that I could find some way out. Like I could maybe relieve myself in that way. I could maybe control my partner and that partner can do what makes me happy. Like it was just really, really bad. And I finally was just like, okay, I'm done. I have to I have to get out of the relationships I've been in. I cannot I can no longer partake in this behavior because it's a cycle that is never ending. And if I keep going down this cycle, I'm going to be 40 years old and I'm going to be deeply unhappy because I pushed every single person that who has ever loved me in my life away because I felt like I was unworthy of it. And yeah, it, that's why like I wanted to really get that out there, like do this talk today with you because I've definitely like come a long way as a person and being suppressed for so long, it does do that to you. And I feel like people don't talk about that enough because they think if you push it down, it's going to go away. You're done. That's it. It doesn't work like that. Like you said, Ashley, you suggested me the book, like the body keeps count, right? It definitely does over time. Like you gotta take care of yourself, whether it may be food, whether it may be like the people in your life who feed you the energy, like whether it may be like you maybe you're an introvert or an extrovert, that kind of thing. Like, who are you as a person? And what do you want to, like, provide and give off in your life? And that's the kind of person you want to be, then, okay, then go for it. Like, achieve it. And don't let anyone else get in your way. And just make yourself happy. Because at the end of the day, no one else is going to make you happy. Like, that that's really sad to say. Because I know people out there that depend on other people in their life. But... If that person goes away, knock on wood, everyone dies, if you didn't know that, then you're fucked. Like, you're screwed. You gotta have a solid system to hold you up. No matter what people leave in your life, you gotta deal with it. But you gotta always have, like, a backup. Like, what is gonna make you happy? Whether it may be, like, meditation, or going for runs, or eating healthy food, indulging in a movie, whatever that may be. 
like do that and love yourself for it. And don't be like, okay, I'm relaxing. I'm a piece of shit because I'm not doing anything today. Like, don't be that, like, don't let that be your thought process. Like indulge and be happy and do what makes you happy and love yourself and take each day, day by day, because life is long. It's not short, not going to lie. So you just got to like really find those people who make you happy and bring out the best in you and don't let you suppress your feelings because those are the people those are the kind of people who you want to like push far away because they're not going to bring out the best in you they're just going to bring out you know what they want to look for and they're going to continue asking that from you even though you can't provide it to them and it's just like tiring and it's toxic and it's not something that you would want to go through so yeah, you just gotta like really love yourself and not let those suppressed feelings get the best of you. That's really all I have to say. Yeah, I totally agree with that, Aiden. I was the same. I was the same as you. And the worst part about being suppressed is that you find other ways, but very sneaky, subtle ways to do things. And then you get angry because you you weren't A, you weren't able to speak. And then like all these things happen. But if you would have just spoken up, it would have been different. And so I found myself like, I, I mean, I put myself in a toxic situation because I was toxic myself. But yeah, being suppressed is, uh, that's a long journey of recovery, really. No doubt. Finding your voice. It's a hard one. <clears throat> Definitely. What helped you both find your voice? I think for me, it took some time, like not just working with a therapist, but also independently, just using mm-hmm. the ability, like, working with the ability to have confidence again and to, to know that I matter and my voice matters. That was a big one for me and that silence wasn't going to get me anywhere and I'm never going to be able to defend myself in the real world or with people or situations. So I really just kind of practice slowly with just basic scenarios and then working my way up to the, the troubled things that I've been trying to work with and fight with over the years. Uh, if I had had that voice in high school, it would have been a lot different, but I didn't. So Facing people at work who might I might have had conflict with or family and whatever, like just really working with myself and also with a therapist to kind of break down the walls that I'd built. And I give a lot of thanks to my, my counselor because I found someone who has taken apart a lot of baggage and and work with me and made it a lot easier and more clear. But I can't give it all to her. I have to also do things on my own. So I think really working with myself on the off time and finding things that help me and work well with me and what I can do and comfortably, you know? So with her and with myself, I I found a way to kind of easily build up that confidence again and kind of start off small and then work on scenarios and situations and even with a simple text message, but also in a verbal voice too. So, and I think the anxiety comes in sometimes too. So I've had to kind of work with all of that and it's come a long way, I'd have to say in the last couple of years, but Mm -hmm. looking at myself years before, I don't think I would have been able to do it. So just it's taken time but I think there's a lot to learn so just finding the little things that work for me has definitely helped and then the extra bit of support and help as well Yay. Mm-hmm. what about you Aiden for me I would definitely say a meditation has really helped me I would definitely say that because without it I would still be the same anxious person and you know depressed person as I was a couple of years back because now I'm a lot more, I guess, calm. And I think situations through before fully acting out on them. And, you know, fully being aware of the present and not thinking of the future. 
And that has really, really helped me because I grew up always looking forward to the future. And it just felt like I was always running towards something that was unachievable, you know? So I I got really tired of it and I didn't want to do that anymore. So I started meditating to, you know, calm my body a little bit more and just really be present in the moment. And a year into it, I can definitely say I've calmed down a lot more now. And like with my breathing and everything, it's a lot more normal paced compared to, you know, me hyperventilating in certain situations because I'm so anxious. So I think in that sense, that really helps you develop character and it really helps you find a voice because when your body slows down and your mind slows down, you have a lot more time to think about who you are as a person and what you want to do with your life instead of constantly thinking about what is next. Like, what am I going to do for, you know, a year from now or like five months from now? Because you don't know what you're going to do five months from now. Like, life is unpredictable and you can't like plan for it, you know? Like, even like people pass away, unfortunately, and you can't plan for stuff like that. Life is crazy and you just have to be prepared and you got to just be the best version of yourself that you can be just to like put that energy out there into situations around you. And I think that's the best way that you can go because no one else can ask more of you because you're already doing the best you can. And that's all they ever want, you know, the best version of yourself. And if they don't, you know, stand up for it, I mean, if they don't tolerate it, then clearly they're the kind of person you don't want in your life because you're already giving the, your best foot forward and they don't, they're not accepting it. So you're done. Like you did your job. It's up to them now. So I think, you know, just putting your foot down at the end of the day and just really knowing what you want, that really helps you develop your voice as well. So yeah, I think those are my my little tips and tricks to really finding out how to speak up and stuff in certain situations. So good. What advice would you both give someone who is going through this? Mm. You know, I'm speaking from someone who didn't have a lot of advice back in the day, but I think the best thing you can do is to seek something or someone out there that you can trust and rely on and just remember that you matter and you need or you, you deserve to be happy equally as everyone else in the world. So I think speaking from someone who didn't have that support, I'm trying to see it from a light of like, or a different side of if this person had nothing at all or something. So trying to make it kind of equal, but I think trying to find something that is there for you, like a support group or a friend or some sort of resources that you can trust and rely on or someone in your life that you can talk to, then the rest will kind of follow through. But I think the best thing to remember is you are valued and you deserve to be happy, just like everyone else. So remember that in yourself first, even if there's nothing to help you or a lot to help you. At the end of the day, you need to be happy. So finding those resources or little support groups or whatever you can, whenever you can find is, is a good stepping stone. And it'll lead you to more opportunities and more, more ways to be supported. Because we don't want to face it alone. That's probably the scariest thing. But if you have yourself, you're not alone. Because you can help yourself get to where you want to be and help yourself find true happiness in yourself. You go, Aiden. You go, Peyton. <laughs> Woo. That's awesome. He said, look, if you don't have anybody, you have yourself. True. Yeah, pretty much. Facts. At the end Fun of the fact. day. 
Um, (laughs) For me to add on to that, I would definitely say friends and a therapist. A therapist has definitely really, they do really help. If you don't have like a therapist around your area, or if it's too costly, then a counselor also does the same job. But really talking to someone and figuring out why you do the things you do and talking it out with someone that really really helps you develop character as a person and to dig down to your very core and figuring out what's making you tick and once you figure all of those things out that is when you can truly start being yourself because if you don't understand yourself how are you going to expect anyone else to understand you you know so you just really have to talk to someone about it like a therapist and then figuring out those problems and then developing like a proper I guess maybe not plan but like ways to go about finding the best version of yourself so it takes time I'm not gonna lie like the first year is probably going to be the hardest year you go through when you first transition because everything is super new and you don't know what you're doing like maybe you don't have friends who are trans so during those times I would really encourage you to maybe join your local LGBTQ group in your area because there's quite a bit of local groups in big cities maybe whether you may live like in LA New York Vancouver Toronto all those kind of big cities they'll have it for sure So just really finding those groups and meeting those kind of people who are going through similar experiences as you, that really, really helps because you can talk about those experiences and figuring out like, okay, what are they doing? Like, what am I doing? And how are we going to use these experiences to maybe better ourselves in the future so we can go into other situations and we're more more prepared in the future like those kind of things you know so just finding people where you can really be yourself around that is going to bring up bring out the best version of yourself because they're the people who are going to love you regardless of what you identify as and who you are as a person well i mean like if you're a shitty person then they're not going to love you but if you're a decent person then you know that pretty much speaks for itself so You know, just really loving yourself through those times and not giving up. Because I know giving up is, you know, the easiest thing you can do. And why would anyone want to try when you can just easily not do anything? That's, you know, you can automatically win at life just doing that. But you're not going to get any gratification from it. You're just going to be sitting on your ass all day, not doing anything or, you know, bettering your life in any sense. So you just really got to figure that out first. And then you can move forward because you don't want to be stuck in the same situation as you were, you know, years ago. You want to move forward. And at the end of the day, that's, I guess that's what like being trans is about moving forward from your past self and finding that new version of yourself and loving that person or version completely and unconditionally. That's all we can really ask for as trans people. Just, you know, us loving ourselves because it's really hard. I'm not going to lie. And it's going to take some time, but I'm sure if Peyton and I can do it, anyone can do it because we've been through a lot of shitty stuff in her time and we've made it through it to the other side. Like maybe it's not Sunshine and Rainbows because there's still days where we get pretty sad and I'm pretty sure everyone does because it's not normal for us to be 100% happy all the time because, you know, we're human beings, but at least we're not as, you know, sad as we were before our transition. 
and we're you know better versions of ourselves now so that's all we could ask for and yeah that's pretty much like my little my little gist <laughs> guys that was such good advice for anyone i needed that advice you know what i mean that does that applies to me too aiden that was so good when you said don't give up thank you giving up the moment you give up your whole yep. self-esteem just shatters i mean you are shattering it into a thousand pieces I did not realize how self-destructive that was. OMG. Super. I feel you. Super. Oh, guys, also, if you need advice, Peyton and Aiden also have a podcast. (laughs) It's called Those Trends, guys. And it's found on all podcast platforms. (laughs) Check us out. (laughs) Check you guys out. Guys, (laughs) what can we expect for the future? Like, Peyton, what are you working on? What are we going to see? Who are you like? Who are you striving to be? What is your future? For me, for like the podcast wise, I think I'd love to see it grow and reach a lot of places that we didn't think it would get to, you know. And I think with the help of Aiden making the art and, you know, making it look a bit more sophisticated and up to date, you know, it's the, uh, and then putting it on Instagram and hopefully getting a Twitter and things like that, like, I'm hoping it'll grow. I'm not saying I want to be famous, but like I want to be able to help people because for both of us, we didn't have this kind of thing. And it'll be super important if we can get to places that that was our goal and our vision to get there. So I'm always continuously wanting to improve myself and also the podcast so that we can make it get out there bigger and better than we hoped it would be, you know, and I'm going to do whatever I can to keep it building and changing and adapting to society and hoping that these platforms will help it get out there, but also just word of mouth. And I have a lot of things in my mind that I don't know yet how to go about it because we have to kind of talk about it more, like maybe getting a Patreon or getting other kind of things that podcasters do and maybe some other different things. So we still have to talk about it more because it's still kind of new. But my vision is going to get, like my vision is for it to be bigger and better than we thought and to really help people out there because that's the biggest thing at the end of the day is to help someone help anyone even just to educate, not even just a trans guy, but families, friends, you know, whatever, your manager, your boss, whatever, like, whatever I can get it out there, I want it to get there. You know, we're going to talk about it. You're already like halfway there, because you just did it already, both of you. And you both are brave enough to just speak your truth, no matter how hard it is, you both have just come on this show and spoken your truth. I'm so proud of you. Peyton, what can we see for your future, like personal self, if you don't mind sharing? Sure. I think since I've had a lot of ups and downs over the years with relationships and families and stuff, I think for me, I just, I have a lot of growing I want to do. And I I know that in myself because we're always growing and changing. I think the biggest thing for me is I want to keep continuing to find things about myself that I love, but also things that I know I need to improve in myself that'll make me better at the end of the day for everyone in my life, not just for myself, but I have a lot of goals and future plans that I'd like to do. And I'm looking forward to doing them. But I know there's a lot of work that comes with it too. So I'm excited because for once in my life, I feel like there's so many opportunities, even with the pandemic and stuff, but a lot of opportunities that I'd like to be able to get to. And I'm excited because I'm in a good place in my life. And I know there's a lot more that I'd like to do and to accomplish. But the door is open and I'm excited to keep continuing to walk through it. Like there's always been an opportunity that comes up and I'm, I tackle it and I go on to the next, but I just see there's so many doors ahead of me that I'm excited to get to them. And 
I'm, I'm, I'm just excited. Yay. There's a lot of things that I want to do and it's coming and it's, it's there. So that makes me so happy to hear you say that. Thank you. Aiden, what about you? For me, for the podcast, I couldn't have said it better myself. Like Peyton said, at the end of the day, we didn't do this podcast because we wanted to be famous. We did the podcast because we wanted to get the, our word out there, get our story out there, and pretty much help people educate themselves regarding the trans community, whatever that may be. And I feel like we really, in order to for us to build and get there, we need to include people in the community, which is why we're doing this podcast with you today, Ashley. Like people in the podcast community and getting our name out there, doing collaborations, doing interviews, stuff like that. I think in that sense, that is how we're really going to grow. We want to really get our name out there. So we're going to start doing a lot more of those things in the future, hopefully. And yeah, I think that's pretty much the direction of where those trans guys are doing are going right now. We're just aiming to grow our followers and just education. And yeah, that's pretty much it. What about you personally, Aiden? Personally, well, I want to personally, <laughs> I want to um, fulfill my goal of loving myself conditionally and just, you know, moving forward and not getting into any more toxic relationships from here on out. That is my main goal because I tend to have a problem with that in the past. So I have acknowledged that and I'm willing to change that. So that is pretty much like what I have in future terms. And yeah, that's pretty much it. I'm also like on my free time, I also do design stuff. So I'm a product designer, if you guys don't know that already. And yeah, that's pretty much it. I do the podcast with Peyton during our free time and it's pretty fun. Yeah. Do you guys have one more thing for the you? Like one word that defines you? Obviously one word doesn't define you, but if you had to pick one word. <laughs> that kind of like describes me sort of yeah um see that's what i'm trying to work on it's like to be more confident my, with myself to find something that best describes me mm-hmm. but i think from what people have said about me i'd have to say i'm very thoughtful and like giving like one of those but i can't choose between them like i go out on a limb to give people stuff to make them like very thoughtful in that way and being generous in this mm-hmm. like um, there's a guy who lives down the street who owns a store and he's had a lot of stuff in his life. Like he lost his coworker in a shooting and all this stuff. So just small business owner and all that. And I went out of my way to buy him a hat that he liked similar to mine because it's like representing the street and stuff. So I went out of my way to buy that for him. So little things like that, I'm very generous and thoughtful and I pay attention to details and also little things that I know will make people happy, but also there's a reason behind it too. So I've been told that I'm those things and I can stand beside that. Yeah, dude. Peyton is probably one of the most like thoughtful people I've ever known. And honestly, sometimes I think he's too thoughtful. He's got to like, you know, <laughs> chill a little bit and not be so thoughtful because some people kind of like take advantage of that, which yeah. is bad. You know, I'm just saying it's true. It's true. And I'm pretty sure he agrees as well. Am I right? Yeah. I'm just laughing because yeah. <laughs> you're a little bit too thoughtful. Aiden was like, um, yeah, but just a little bit too thoughtful. <laughs> yeah, like chill, man. I'm joking. <laughs> it's good though. More people like, you know, 
the world needs thoughtful people, which is which is good that you exist. <laughs> yeah, there's also a fine line of being too nice, and then no one really receives like gives it back to you either. So I'm working yeah. on that. But I can't help it because like when I see something and or if something says something like once and I remember it, then I go to my way to make it happen. Like for Christmas, yeah. I got I got Aiden a Keurig machine because he works at home a lot, so he can have coffee easily. You know, so. Like yeah. things like that. Things dude, right? he got me a Keurig machine. I was like, dude, oh my god, what the fuck? Because I was yeah. so surprised, and it was yeah. really thoughtful. Because it was something I mentioned like months back, and he remembered it. Yeah, and I was like, holy crap! No one would have remembered that I said I wanted a Keurig machine, but here you are. So it's like stuff like that. He's he's pretty thoughtful, I would say. Aiden, do you have one word that like best describes you? Hmm. One word that best describes me would probably have to be, I'm a bit of a perfectionist. And I feel like if you're gonna do something that you love, then you should do it with all you've got, or don't do it at all. And that's the kind of person that I am when I really love something, I obsess over it. And I you know, work hours on end on it. But if I really, really don't like something, but I have to do it, you can tell that I'm doing it because I have to. And it's not because I, you know, I love to do it. So I'm not sure if there's a, a word to fully describe that. But yeah, I, I think that would probably be be it, a perfectionist, definitely. And Peyton could probably agree with that as well, I think. <laughs> Only because I know when it comes to work and stuff, like he's very passionate about making his projects look amazing. Uh, even for like little small things that we've like, that he's done for me over the years and stuff, but just in general, like his school stuff or work, like it's good to be this perfectionist because when you're getting into the industry that he's in, especially it takes like you're competitive and it's a very like high standard kind of field. So I know that it's for the best. It's not a negative thing. Mm-hmm. And it, it, like you can see, there's a lot of passion and stuff involved in that. So I can definitely vouch on that one. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, I appreciate you two so much for being here today. Both of you have endured so much, but the fact that you've stayed true to who you are, no matter what, has just been so awesome to see. And I am so glad to know you and to be on your journey with you, I will definitely be on your journey for forever. You guys are just so beautiful. I appreciate you so much. You have no idea. I'm so proud of you too. Like you have, I don't even know you, but I'm so proud of you. Well, we personally, like, I want to thank you and for Aiden too. Like, we really appreciate the fact that you reached out and that you had the time to do this with us. And if you ever want to do another one with us, like, if you want to talk about more things, we'd be so happy to do that too. Because this has been a great opportunity and to be on another platform and to collab with someone like it's it's been a really great opportunity and we're really, really excited about it. So we really appreciate the fact that you found us and reached out and took the time to listen to us. And like we felt really very thankful and appreciative. Yeah, I definitely couldn't have said it better myself. Like we want to thank you like times a billion for reaching out because without you, we wouldn't have a great podcast right now. You know, the story that we're telling is awesome. And I'm so glad we got to do it with you. So we appreciate it a lot. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Of course. No problem.